0: A mother, a son, and a life with autism. It's the At Home with Autism podcast with Q102's Jen and Jacob. So we just got back from going to my mom's house in Illinois, where we had a celebration of life for my dad, who passed back in April. And I knew it was going to be a really, really tough weekend. I'm an only child, very, very close to... My parents it's just the three of us forever and ever until Jacob came along. And then it became the four of us, this unit. And it's just been really, really hard. And Jacob has been great about it. And I was really hopeful. I was pretty sure, you know, you can never be 100%, but I was pretty sure that he was going to be great. We left on Wednesday. The celebration was Saturday. We came home Sunday. Jacob has a very set schedule. He does certain things at certain times in certain ways. And when there come times where there's a lot going on and things may get delayed or we may not be able to do exactly what he wants to do when he wants to do it, there was a time where that was a real issue. And now it is sometimes and sometimes it's not. So we got there kind of late on Wednesday. It was about eight o'clock Illinois time, nine o'clock our time and You know, that's late for an 80-year-old woman like my mom. I mean, she was ready for bed. Well, Jacob has a thing. He wants to get his 10,000 steps in. And usually when we go to grandma's house, he's still pacing around after she's gone to bed. And without me having to say anything other than, you know, kind of preparing him for the weekend that mom was going to have a lot to do. It's going to be kind of busy. I may not be able to get right to the things that he wanted me to get to right when he wanted me to get to them or that we'd be seeing a lot of people that he's never met before. And mom's going to be talking to a lot of people and, you know, for him to please, you know, be as patient as he can be and understanding about, you know, what this is about and what we're doing. And, and I thought for sure, I'm like, Oh God, he's going to be pacing through the house till 10 or 11 o'clock tonight to get his steps in, you know, and then there's the whole bedroom routine of, Him taking a bath and then a shower and then, I mean, he doesn't go to bed some nights. You know, on the weekends, it's 1130 at least before he goes to bed because he's got so many things that he has to get done. Well, we get to Illinois and one of the first questions he asked was, what time is grandma going to bed? And she gave him a time and he made sure that he was ready for bed at the same time that mom was ready to go to bed. And, uh, I mean, completely giving up his entire nighttime bedtime routine no walking around to get his steps in fact he never walked around and got his steps the entire time that we were there and every day he asked my mom what time she was going to bed and made sure that that he was ready at that time he went to bed at like eight thirty, nine o'clock that doesn't happen <laughs> ever and i'm like yes right i'm like yay this is fantastic So that was really amazing, and that was really cool, and I was just really grateful for that. When Jacob was five, he had a real severe bout with constipation after a stressful time. And he was just really sick, and he wasn't sleeping very well at all. And that's when he started sleeping in bed with me. And I was totally okay with that. Because here was the thing about Jacob. At this age, he was also prone to just opening up the front door and walking out to go for a walk in the neighborhood by himself. And we had put locks up high that were out of his reach so we could lock ourselves in the house and he wouldn't get out on us. But, you know, that didn't keep him from maybe getting up out of bed and start wandering around the house and getting into something that he you know didn't need to be getting into in the middle of the night. So having him close by me, so if he did get up, I knew I was totally, totally, totally okay with that. And during the time when I was reading a lot of books and studying things about the unconscious mind, about how the unconscious mind runs 95% of our life. I mean, it runs all of the systems in our bodies. We don't have to think about breathing. We don't have to think about our heart beating. It just goes. Also in our unconscious mind are all of the belief systems that we live by that create the way that we react to different situations. And most of these belief systems go our entire lives without us ever even questioning them because they're imprinted in our brains from a very, very young age. And I also knew that different things that you say to yourself over and over and over again, when you do it with feeling and belief that you can train the unconscious mind. And of course, that's what I was trying to do with Jacob, right? I was trying to get inside that head of his to change the way he thought about things so that life would be easier and more fun and he would experience more joy and we would alleviate the stress and any of the the suffering that he was experiencing that we could alleviate for him. And so I went through a period where mantras were really big and we would lay in bed and there was a mantra I read and I don't remember where I read it, but it, it claimed to be the most all-inclusive mantra in existence. And it went like this, two most powerful words in the universe are I am, I am. So <laughs> the mantra was, I am whole, perfect, strong, powerful, harmonious, loving, and happy. And we got into the practice of saying that before falling asleep every night. And this went on for years. He had an Autism Speaks walk t-shirt, a Journey for Jacob shirt that that had that, that mantra on it. And I know that eventually he fell out of practice of that. Well, when he got COVID, not that long ago, I brought that sucker back. And I wrote it on a piece of paper and I put it in his bedroom and I would say it with him throughout the day because I was explaining to him, I'm like, we got to tell your body, we got to tell your body, we got to tell your body that it's healthy, it's strong, it's powerful, that you're, you're happy and harmonious and loving. And, you know, let's, let's get your body doing what it needs to do to fight off this virus. (laughs) So, had him saying this mantra. And I wrote it on a piece of paper and I put it right beside his bed and I told him, you know, do it a bunch of times before you go to sleep because the last thing you tell your unconscious mind before you go to sleep is what stays working in there throughout the night. That's why it's so awful to fall asleep to these murder shows or the news because that's what you're imprinting into your unconscious mind, right? So we don't do that. What we do is this mantra thing. And I, I had no idea whether or not he had continued to do that or not. So... At mom's house, it's a two-bedroom house, and it's the master bedroom and then the bedroom that I grew up in, and Jacob likes for me to sleep with him. So I'm laying there in bed on the very first night, and I'm almost asleep, and I hear him go, I am. It was just absolutely precious. It was the sweetest thing. I almost started crying right there. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. So another big switch for him on this trip. We went to a restaurant. And Jacob does not eat restaurant food. He has never, well maybe once I think we got him to order something he already ate. It was like a vegetable, I think. (laughs) order off of a menu, but he just doesn't. So we always have to take his food with, and there are some restaurants that allow that and some that don't. Although I don't think we've ever really been given a hard time. But we were going to this one restaurant that wanted to take the food that we brought and bring it out with everybody else's food and put it on (laughs) their plates, right? So he had the sliced turkey and he had applesauce and a waffle. And I told them, I said, listen, you got to have these. You, you can't put it all on one plate. These foods can't touch. You know, they each have to have their own plate. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So it comes out and he's just kind of looking at it like, what the hell? I don't know if he's ever even seen applesauce not in the little cup. So the applesauce was actually in a little bowl. And we're sitting there, <laughs> it's me and my mom and Jacob and a lifelong friend, A guy that was actually in my parents' wedding 55 years ago. The four of us are sitting at a table, and we're there with a bunch of mom's friends. And we get to the applesauce, and Jacob eats every last drop of the applesauce. I mean, if you could see him with the spoon going to town on the little cup, I've got to shoot some video of this and post it somewhere, because, I mean, he does not miss a drop. So here we get to the end of the applesauce in the bowl, and there's, like, all kinds of it. And the spoon isn't picking it up because you just can't get the right angle on it, right? <laughs> so he starts taking his finger and just, and just swirling and shoving it in his mouth. And you know, that's just kind of a, something you don't see every day. You don't see a 20 year old man using his finger in a mammalian animal moss. And it's, it's, it's you know, been a long time of me having this practice of going, is it a big deal? Is it a not big deal? Is it worth digging my heels in? Is it, is, you know, what's going to happen if I try to get him to stop or to not do that? And I just kind of knew that if I tried to say, you know, just leave the applesauce. No, that's just, it's, <laughs> it's just not, I knew I had to let it go this time. Because I didn't know that this was going to happen. I had no idea. The kid is being great. You know, he's being awesome about them bringing his food in a way that he's not used to eating it. And he's going along with it. He's eating it. Okay, so what if he's sticking his finger in the bowl? You know, now I know. And now I know if we need to do this again, that I need to come up with a different solution or something different that we can do to get all the applesauce out of the glass bowl. But it was funny because there is always that moment of like, okay, who's watching this and what are they thinking? And, and I'm going to model the behavior I would like to see them have in reaction to my kid, right? Right. If I start acting like, oh, my God, that's so gross. Stop it. Eh, other people are going to be more likely to go, oh, my God, that kid's disgusting. But if I'm sitting there and I'm laughing and I'm going along with it, because is it a big deal? No. In the big picture of things, who cares? Who cares? And if you care, oh, my God, settle. Just settle. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, he he did that. But, you know, there is that moment still after all these years of me practicing Because, you know, that's hardwired in me. Very, very much so hardwired. Comes from living in a small town. But I think it's a belief system that a lot of people are taught when they're very, very young. That what other people think matters. Right? You don't want people thinking this of you. You don't want them to think this of you. Behave this way because you don't want them to think that. Very, very common. And so that reaction will probably be there. I know it will be there for the rest of my life. It's just whether or not I act on it. Right? So we had the applesauce and then we had the celebration. And again, he was amazing. We went to the location eight o'clock in the morning. We were there setting up for three hours and he just sat there. He was just cool, you know, just hanging. And then we get to the celebration and it's another four or five hours that we're there. And he's just being amazing. You know, every once in a while he'd come up and talk to me and every once in a while I'd go check on him. And at one point... (laughs) I am talking to my high school sweetheart. There is this guy I dated my junior and senior year and then a year and a half into college. We dated, I followed him to school. I followed him to college. He he played football at Eastern Illinois University and he was, you know, my first in all that business. And uh, I rarely see him, you know, once every five, ten years maybe. But he and my dad were close. My dad loved him. He was You know, when we were kids, he was the son my dad never had, and they were tight. So I had guessed he would probably be there, and he was. And he walks up to me, and within the first 30 seconds of me talking to him, Jacob walks (laughs) up, and he goes, Mom, go pee. Clear as day, of course. Clear as day. And I just started laughing. And I'm like, well, Mom was going to go pee, but I'm okay right now. I'm going to wait a little bit. And of course, you know the old boyfriend. He's not quite sure. I think this is the first time he's ever met Jacob, and you know he's not really quite sure to do that. And he's like, "If you gotta go, go." And I'm like, "No, I'm fine. I just told him a little bit ago that I had that I needed to go soon, so he was worried about me." You know, for a lot of people, that would be embarrassing, and it just it just wasn't. It was just it was just funny. It was funny. But speaking of the bathroom, on the way home, and we talked about this. In the last podcast I was on with Jacob, we stop in Crawfordsville, which is about the halfway point between here and home in central Illinois, Crawfordsville, Indiana. It's about three hours. And we always stop and go to the bathroom at McDonald's. Well, apparently in the men's bathroom, there is only one stall. And we discovered this a couple times ago where I went you know, into the women's bathroom, did my thing, and I came out and... I was waiting for Jacob and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm like, what's going on? And I open the door and he's like right inside the door and he's squatting on the floor, like looking underneath the stall. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, go to the bathroom. Well, he was waiting for the stall because he doesn't want to go in the urinal because he likes to use a little bit of toilet paper. Some men shake, he dabs because, you know... There's some, what is that saying? The last little tinkle ends up in, there's some little tinkle ends up in your, I don't know, in your pants kind of thing. I don't know. It's a guy thing, right? So he is very insistent on going in the stall. So that's when I discovered, well, there was only one stall. Well, luckily that time, the guy that was in the stall was only in there for a couple of minutes. Well, we go in there and I swear to you, we waited 25 minutes for some dude to get out of the stall in McDonald's. And Jacob was starting to get panicked because he really had to go. And I'm like, bud, I will walk you into the women's bathroom. We'll wait till it's empty. I'll take you in there. I will stay in there with you. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And he is, no, because, you know, we don't do that anymore. We did that till he was probably 14, I would say, at least, I know a lot of moms that have caught heat in public before for doing that with their autistic sons. But luckily I never had that experience, but he knows he's like, Jacob goes in the men's mom goes in the women's Jacob goes in the men's and those are the rules. So he was not going to do that. So he was doing everything in his power to hold it, but it was getting bad. And I mean, there are men going in and coming out and going in and coming out. And I'm like, Oh, please, Lord, don't let the one dude come out of the stall and another guy go in. Right. We're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. Well, Jacob goes in to check, and the guy was out. So, Jacob and the guy are both in there. And I'm like, who is this dude that's hanging out in a stall in McDonald's for almost a half an hour, right? Who is this person? Curious, right? So, the guy comes out. I would say he's 25, short, very hairy. It was a cold day and he was wearing a tank top and shorts and sandals. And he had these big headphones on his head. He is sweating and he comes out and he looks at me and goes, he's almost done. I'm like, thanks. Wow. Please, people. Public restrooms, go in, do what you got to do, and leave. You just don't know what's waiting for you out there on the other side. I was thinking, though, that whole time that I was standing there with the, I mean, the people working at McDonald's had to wonder what the hell we were doing because we were just standing there, and he's starting to dance. And I thought to myself, God, I could get really impatient here. I could get really frustrated. I could get really... Annoyed. I could get mad at the dude. I could throw open the door and be like, hey, wipe them, let's go. Got a kid out here. There were so many options for ways that I could have reacted to the situation. I could have really pushed for Jacob to go in and use the urinal. I could have really pushed for him to go into the women's bathroom. I could have said, you know, let's get out of here and go somewhere else. Well, he doesn't want to go anywhere else. We stop in Crawfordsville at McDonald's and that's where we be. That's the place. So I know it's the moments like those where I make the decision, just like with the applesauce. How big of a deal is this? What does it really matter? How is it inconveniencing me? How is it harming me? How is it harming anyone to let him have this thing his way? I do my best to let him have things his way as much as possible. Because when it comes to having moments like grandma going to bed and me not wanting him to make a whole lot of noise in the house or us having a really serious emotional event and me needing him to be self-sufficient and calm and go with the flow, that when those things come up, the odds of him being cooperative and doing things the way that will make my life easier in those moments, the odds of that happening are so much greater. Because he has been given opportunities to do other things the way that he really wants to do them. And then when he does go to bed at 8.30 at grandma's house, or he does let the kitchen staff take his food and do something different with it, I make sure I tell him how much I appreciate that and what a cool guy he is for doing that and how much it means to mom that he's being so kind and cooperative And flexible. Mm -hmm. Always looking for opportunities to give him choices. I could talk so much about this because it started when he was so little, so little, giving him that feeling of power and control. Because that's an issue that so many people on the spectrum have, just feeling so out of control of this world around them that's so unpredictable. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We will definitely talk about that sometime. I'll be back with Jacob on the next episode of the At Home with Autism podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you to Merle and Shiner.